Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's feature presentation for SCG Radio, WCW's Ready to Rumble, starring Liam O'Rourke, featuring G. John Chase, introducing Kieran O'Rourke, directed by the artist formerly known as Luke Edwards. Tonight's special guest star, Matthew Holt, and Old Man Jones. Hello everyone and welcome to the 84th Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Matt Holt. It's Saturday night at the movies. With Kieran O'Rourke. Well, I do care what picture I'm seeing because I don't watch this fucking thing again. <laughs> With Carl Jones. Both Michael and Bruce Buffer can go fuck themselves. <laughs> G John Chase. Don't worry guys, I bought the rope. And Luke Edwards. I actively envy the dead. <laughs> and we are here this week for our very first ever SCG movie review. A fun show I'm hoping this will be this evening, gentlemen, because we are, of course, talking about, as the great voice from the heavens announced earlier on, WCW's Ready to Rumble effort release in the year 2000. Of course, as always, throughout out to the loyal listeners what your thoughts on Ready to Rumble are. Uh, we have all seen the film around this table uh, in the past, with one exception. We all re-watched it, of course, uh, for this very show. Yes. And, uh, I... <laughs> And uh, just before we get into the nuts and bolts of the film, we are going to go through the film uh, bit by bit as we talk about it, uh, as we break it down here today. But before we get to breaking it down nuts and bolts, of course, like I said, we threw out to the listeners, we've got their feedback to get to throughout the course of the show. This is the first show like this we've done in a movie review format. (laughs) It might be the last. (laughs) (laughs) Depending how this one goes, of course, if you want to hear our other shows, you can go to squaredcirclegazette.com where we archive every show, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash scgradio to keep in tune with any updates. Uh, So moving now too ready to rumble here gentlemen because uh, when this was announced originally Halty you were kind of on the, on the movie uh, the movie review kick I was personally we were thinking of doing a, a show based on wrestling movies anyway the idea to break this down a little bit originally I think you had a bit of a different vision but uh, yeah, I was pushing for Paradise Alley with Stallone <laughs> but here we are here we are and, and, and Kieran O'Rourke's going to have to shoulder the blame for this because you were the one that suggested ready to rumble last week Kieran um, it just felt appropriate yeah and I feel vindicated by my 33 pages of notes. <laughs> well, of course, this is what the reason... Longer than the script. <laughs> of course. Now, the reason that this came up originally in our heads was because there was a, uh, an episode we did a, a few uh, weeks ago called Wrestling's Guilty Pleasures, and somebody wrote in and listed this film as a wrestling guilty pleasure. <laughs> and now, having watched it again, I completely concur that it should be a guilty pleasure. Um, just general thoughts around the table, very briefly, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the film, about uh, your impressions of this film. Yeah, when you first saw it, I'm, I'm keen to know when you all first saw this, what your first impressions were. Were, what you expected going in, that kind of a thing. Old Man Jones, you were the least infused person to rewatch this no. film. I know. So uh, g- give us the skinny. Give us the 411 on what your yeah. thoughts are. <laughs> I would just like everyone around this table and all our listeners to disregard anything I've ever said regarding the death of WCW. This film <laughs> is what killed it. This film is solely responsible. It was basically gonorrhea on a showreel. <laughs> so in a nutshell I guess that sums it up for Carl you know I was thinking I never really blamed Arquette for winning the WCW title I didn't hold it against him it wasn't his idea I, I, didn't, didn't, I didn't even hate him for like you know, banging Courtney Cox 
I hate him now. You do? With a passion. Oh, poor David. The outtakes alone show, <laughs> show what an asshole this human being, in quotations, there you go, I'm doing quotations, human being, is... I, fuck yourself, David Arquette, if you're not dead already. <laughs> well, I, 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 at that point, I believe it's the 80-minute mark of the film. I'd have enough. I skipped the out, the, the outtakes. I couldn't bear to uh, to watch anymore, to be honest. I'd have enough. I think I saw the first one where he did something about Samoan butt fucking or something like that, if I remember right. Also, I don't remember. Also, you keep saying it's 80 minutes long. Mine wasn't under, Mine wasn't an hour and <laughs> 20 minutes. Maybe you stumbled upon the uh, extended. Mine was, mine, was was an hour and 40. 40. mine was an hour and 40. 142 when the outtakes finished at the end. Not that you counted every single. Single agonizing minutes. <laughs> Luke, this was the first time you ever watched Ready to Rumble, so of course, in terms of expectations going in, please do elaborate what you thought this was going to be and, uh, and your experience watching it. God, I feel like I'm standing in front of an audience at a funeral, looking at all your faces. <laughs> going in, I had low expectations. I was never. I'd assumed it was linked in with that kind of American Pie era of film. Which yes, being a middle class British person never really appealed to me. <laughs> um, but um, you mean, dude, where's my car? Isn't it in your uh, DVD I, uh, collection? I can only quote several lines, not the entire script. Uh. Uh, but seriously, I um, that film was completely devoid of merit. <laughs> I can't say any more. I'm probably not going to be heard much during this podcast because watching that film made me miserable and I blamed Liam. And now that I know it was Kieran's fault, fuck that guy. <laughs> and Holzboy. So, the you know, finger pointing around this table. It's like a WCW booking meeting in the year 1999. Uh, we'll get to some of the, uh, the uh, feedback from the listeners here because I was very interested in what the public's general perception, of course by, by public, I mean the wrestling internet public. Uh, John Haddock on the Facebook page said, I saw this once when I was younger and thankfully, since I've been able to purge all memory of this film from my brain, I can't offer much input but I look forward to listening to you guys dig up my repressed memories so I can relive this nightmare like someone haunted by the evils of war which does seem somewhat appropriate uh, Patrick Alexander on the F4W board says I expected a bad movie I got a shockingly not bad movie with a hell of a finale but it does have a bad start and it did more harm than good even if we ignore David Arquette as WCW champ Project Humanoid on the F4W board says my biggest memory is watching it under the influence of some kind of mind altering substances and being mixed up between the names of Martin Landau and Walter Matthew for like half an hour uh, I had the names not the actors confused. I kept wanting to say Martin Matthew and Walter Landau. Um, <laughs> Matthew Howland on the Facebook page. I remember getting excited at seeing some wrestlers doing something not wrestling, and that was enough for my stupid child brain to be amused. Coincidentally, I actually put my VHS copy in a skip at the weekend, complete with 14.99 as the sticker on it. Fuck oh, me. <laughs> Where 11-year-old me got 14.99 to spend is beyond me, but I subsequently spent it on this as a damning indictment of, for lack of a better phrase, a total fucking idiot. And I'm well educated. I mean, fuck, 15 quid on this drivel. I'm going to cut myself short here or I'm in danger of this becoming an analysis of why child me was such a cunt. Uh, Warrior for <laughs> Life on the F4W board says, I'm one of those wrestling fans that likes pretty much anything wrestling related. I was 23 when it came out and I loved it. It's a crazy film. Loved seeing wrestlers in a different environment which back then was a rarity. Wrestlers! <laughs> Simple fan on TVWW forum says I was a WCW fan and thought it was great at the time. Still think it's an okay movie and would watch it now if it were on. Uh, Stuart Civiter on the Facebook page says I don't know if it's my love for cheesy crap movies but I didn't mind it. Is it a classic? No. But it does make me laugh. Maybe it's how bad it is. I've definitely seen a lot worse. It's no Mr. Nanny but what is? <laughs> 
Tiger Rick on the UK fan forum says, I've seen Ready to Rumble and genuinely can barely remember anything about it. I recall the criticisms from the death of WCW far more readily than the actual film, but I won't try and pass them off as my own opinion. I was hugely disappointed with it, as everyone probably was, because Power Slam had made it sound quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and despite the arc at fast, the triple cage was cool. The guy playing Jimmy King, Oliver Platt, is a good actor, but an abysmal bit of casting as a pro wrestler. I do sometimes wonder if, with time, it might be a guilty pleasure. Obviously there's the WCW nostalgia, plus absolutely no expectations now, but I never fancy wasting two hours to find out. Oh, don't worry, we've done that for you, Rick. <laughs> uh, Brad Wikes on uh, the Facebook page says, I remember watching Nitro one day, tolerating a somewhat acceptable disco match, while Raw was having a commercial break. The ad for Ready to Rumble came on, and I thought, no, this can't be a thing. Maybe it's one of those Turner Network TV shows that only Southern US people find funny, like Reba or Mama's Family. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it was real. Back to Raw faster than you can snap into a Slim Jim. Gentlemen, I salute you for the bullet you are willingly taking on my behalf. So uh, I was surprised, and actually what I did, I, I went to Rotten Tomatoes, the, uh, the, the famed movie website, and there was, there was, some, there was some praise for this film, yeah. which really surprised me. And again, in the feedback, I was expecting a kind of one-sided slam dunk of opinion here. Not to be the case, there were some people who, who did get a kick out of this film. Yeah, there's a ton of different ways to approach it. So much already in there. But one of the things I want to just jump on straight away that came out of that is the casting of Oliver Platt, which is just... I mean, within 18 months of making this movie, the man will be nominated for an Emmy for being in the West Wing as the chief White House counsel. Um, Oliver Babish, exactly. And, you know, a phenomenal role in that in that show. And it is literally like this guy doesn't even know what he is in. And the choice of casting a non-wrestler as the lead, but not only a non-wrestler, but like a person the furthest from a wrestler you could possibly get like I don't quite it's this weird amalgamation there's a bit clearly a bit of Jerry Lawler in there with the king and the, and the accent but then but then he doesn't really yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's not really <laughs> oh we stayed away from spoilers <laughs> um just an odd, odd choice of, of person, um, and you know, genuinely, this film has actually got quite a few people who are pretty good actors in it. Just horrendous casting and horrendous performances. But we'll get more to that as we go forward. I am convinced that several of those emails that made reference to wrestlers being shown outside of the wrestling context, context were solicited by Vince Russo. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I just just a second uh, Holty's point about the uh, casting of uh, Oliver Platt. I mean, I think if I remember right, when I first watched it, I kind of enjoyed it on some kind of level. I was always flummoxed by the casting of Oliver Platt, and as you said, like Oliver Platt's a great actor, and I thought like, and and and, and he could have done a decent part if in this film if it was any other part, yeah. because as you said, it's like not not just necessarily like you know. The, yeah, they could have cast a wrestler in that role, but they could just casted anybody that looked like a wrestler, any any form whatsoever. I mean, the guy just looks doesn't look right yeah. at all. It's not like what, what's the is it Raging Bull that De Niro gained like a hundred yeah. pounds for the role? Yeah. This guy went the opposite direction, I think, to prepare for this role. Yeah, yeah. If you're trying to look like a middle-aged Jerry Lawler, he didn't come that far <laughs> off the mark. If we're honest, if he's been given, he's never watched wrestling. He's given a reference photo of Jerry Lawler. Be a king. It's pretty much fucking there. He watches but, television. Which, which, he sees the king. Uh, honestly, I think the casting of Oliver Plass as the king is the least of this film's worries. <laughs> hmm. Well, let's get to the rest of this film's worries. We're going to walk through the film now. We've got, uh, Kieran, you mentioned your copious amounts of notes. I did a, a cliff notes of this as I was watching yesterday. The things that stood out to me, I'm not going to go through the uh, the entire plot blow by blow because I yeah, don't want to. Yeah, my notes are more like Facebook or, or Facebook 
posts or Twitter. Twitters. Yeah, they're tweets. Like, they're like tweets. Twitters. Like, <laughs> they're like manly written tweets mm. yes. with a pen. Mm. I engraved mine into my arm with a blade. <laughs> it is like getting mentally raped through the eyeballs watching this film. I oh, so. brutally and repeatedly. Yeah. So it starts on the face of Sid Vicious. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I, I made a mental note is bleeding face. Yeah. And the first word you hear from Mr. David Arquette <laughs> it is safe to assume that professional wrestlers are the most respected athletes of all time. <laughs> the image is fat fuck. <laughs> Somewhere, somebody wrote a script that said. Fade in on the face of Sid Vicious bleeding profusely. <laughs> I mean, that was that had to have been written on a page. Well, well, well he is the man of the millennium. So, uh, seeing that the film came out in two thousand, and also a guilty pleasure in his own right, as we learned on a previous episode. Oh, yeah. And didn't we open with like for a WCW engine? We opened with reference to Bruno Sammartino yeah, as well. Like, yeah, like other wrestlers. wrestlers. It was like it was just bizarre. Yeah. So obviously, we get this montage about what wrestling is, and he kind of paints it in a majestic way. Even if if some of the pictures that we see on the screen don't match the words, yeah. it's completely mocking anyone who may feel that way about professional wrestling before it even oh, starts. The whole thing. Oh yeah. So anyway. After this starts, we're in the gas station. We're at the gas station. I just wrote down losers in front of a gas station talking to kids about Jimmy King. Um, the store clerk comes out and says, "Wrestling is for retards. You yeah. guys are as dumb as paint." Yeah, th- these notes I've got. Apparently, Jimmy King is the shit. So Scott Khan's a dumbass. Oh yeah, wrestling is for retards. Yes. So of course we should mention here, David Arquette is a uh, gaudy. Sean. How old are they supposed to be playing? Oh, who, I don't know. Like, that's the weirdest thing is like that they clearly seem to be. Well, they're an age where they drive and stuff, but I, that was like it never really got clarified at yeah. all. S- Scott Carter's sidekick is Sean, yeah. so they really spent that time working on these names. Ga- I put Garage Guy and David Arquette have a back and forth, and we get a weird dream sequence here where Randy <laughs> Savage. First of all, there's a cardboard cutout. There's a cardboard yeah. cutout behind. The store yeah, clerk of, yeah. of Macho Man and Gorgeous George just kind of there. And then all of a sudden it turns into a dream sequence where Randy Savage and Gorgeous George are wrestling Jimmy King and David Arquette, future WCW champion David Arquette, as we mentioned. This, this uh, right here is because I, I briefly mentioned something that, that Luke said about at the start, where how bad of a movie this is. And just, just not just how bad a wrestling movie is, but just how bad of a full scale movie you can, you can judge this by. Just kind of watching this, uh, guys, just just keep in mind, just imagine if you're watching this and you know nothing about professional wrestling. <laughs> you don't know who any of these fuckers are, you don't know nothing about it, and you're watching this movie you're on a, a sun, on a Sunday you're, afternoon. You're, you're right? a couple that's looking for some light entertainment yeah. while you're eating your dinner. <laughs> and you're watching this, right, because there's no lead on a date. Yeah. yeah, with your what? penis in the bottom of the popcorn. Just wait, <laughs> just wait for that special moment yeah. to happen. It's just, just, just watch this film. It makes no sense. There's no, there's no lead into the fact that there's a dream sequence. The only clue we have that there's a dream sequence is that there's a green like hint to to, to the sh- hue. So I'll say, here go. A green hue uh, to the shot, and then randomly there's a ring in the middle of the shot. I don't know. Was, that's, that's, was it, that's all we've was, got. Was it the squishy thing he was he was drinking? Was it yes, it was. Yeah. It was the yeah. Slurpee. Yeah. So basically, after after, after Matcha Man apparently takes a real shot in the face from uh, from Arquette as well. Yeah, that's in the um, in the outtakes. The, the yeah. section I didn't watch. So no, basically, Arquette was from. Um, oh, King. Black. Yeah, all King. Black King. Okay, so basically, after that happens, we cut back. We cut back outside. We realise that David Arquette's having a sugar rush, and he he, he needs more sugar. He needs another Slurpee. And so as and and this is just where, where it really gets good. We find David Arquette sticking his hand down the back of his trousers, and Scott Khan asks him, it, "Look, why does it look like you got your finger in your ass?" And David Arquette responds with, "Because I do." 
He then returns to the store. That's think- a mole rats gag in yeah, fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. A lot thank of people. Yeah, a lot of part. this film is riff from other Yes. Like, but that was funny yeah exactly this is in the context of my notes (laughs) Khan and Arquette are grown marks apparently with mental illnesses (laughs) so it's a mentally ill guy with his finger in his ass yes he then returns to the store holding his uh, slushy cup empty slushy cup and holds it into the guy's face and saying that it smells bad of course he drank the whole thing but he wants a refill smells like a beer sour ass yeah it's great great dialogue here real highbrow stuff in the early going boob that's, so that's, that's what we're dealing with. Ladies folks. and gentlemen, in the first few minutes of the movie, your protagonists, having removed their finger <laughs> from their ass, are now conning a store clerk <laughs> out of out of free stuff. These are your protagonists, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Can I also just jump in and also say that um, earlier on, Liam, you referred to Scott Kahn as Arquette's uh, sidekick in this Bernie. film, right? I thought, I swear to God, easily the first half of the film, possibly longer, thought Khan was the main character no. because he doesn't say anything. It's like, you know, <laughs> speak, like in WWE, speaking gets yourself under. Okay, yeah. but he doesn't say anything, so he just appears to be a guy, and 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 then about halfway through, he like puts on some headphones. Oh, oh, oh we'll get to that. So, we'll get to that. You're Fuck me, that was awful. So anyway, after after he gets his free slushy. Cop Dad arrives. David Arquette's father, Cop Dad, comes. Um, and he's just. Can dis- I just know, David Arquette was 28 when they made this movie. He looks about 40 in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one again, It's me. a hard life. Arquette's still in the store at this point when his dad arrives, the cop, because then he sexually molests Scott Kahn. That's right. Yeah, he, 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 he bends him over the car and he gives him the old Fox Catcher 5, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reference. So anyway, <laughs> after, after he grabs Khan's nuts, yeah, that's when David Arquette comes out, and the cop, speaking on behalf of all of us, talks about how, how disappointed he is in David Arquette and what a disgrace he is for the family, and, uh, and basically talks about how wrestling is, uh, again, stupid, you're an idiot, and says it's fake, to which David Arquette gives what I assume probably made the trailer. <laughs> Wrestling's not fake! Yeah, yeah. At that point, we all just wanted to, to just cry, I assume, around the we'll table. kill ourselves. Still real to him, damn it. Indeed. Uh, this, this features the line where he talks about how uh, David Arquette's not smart enough to, to pull his own dick out when he takes a piss. Yeah. And David Arquette responds with, <laughs> I can do it, sometimes I just don't see the point. <laughs> Again, mentally ill. <laughs> and yet, as we'll see later on, still intelligent enough to sit a police exam. <laughs> In a day! <laughs> so anyway, at this point, uh, these two well-adjusted human beings are in their van, their sewage tank, where they because they work at a, a ship plant, I guess. Uh, and they mark out, because tonight they got tickets for Monday Night Nitro. Despite the fact that it's a WCW film, they fuck up the name of the show. Which just, it's just brilliant to me. Uh, I've written a note here, Arquette sucks Khan's ass in a portable toilet. And I, before this, when they're talking about going to Nitro... I thought this point was quite, you know, probably the most believable aspect of the show, uh, of, the, of the film. Um, when they're talking about it's DDP versus King tonight. Yes. And it's not even a pay-per-view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck. They're giving it away for free, folks. <laughs> yeah, Smart I, business all around. I, I, th- I think you were very generous as to what their occupation is by uh, saying they deal in sewage. I, I just generally believe that they drive a deuce wagon. Yeah. That's what they just drive for a fun. shit truck. For fun. Yeah, for fun. And then you just get this ridiculous kind of moment where, you know, because they're, they're, they're basically they're, they're sucking the shit out of these porta potties. Which is and, a noble profession if you do it at and, home. And, and Khan decides to go and take a shit. 
And then, ba- <laughs> and then basically just says, don't do it. Yeah. Right? Friends don't do this to each other. I have a question before you, you hit the punchline here. If he was, was going to go in there anyway, why didn't he just shit in the van? <laughs> he was going in there anyway. <laughs> what? Well, just pull out the hose and shit in the hose. Yeah, I would. <laughs> well, they proceed to go in there, and then because these, these jolly intellectual people like to uh, play jokes on each other, he decides to attach the nozzle to the porta potty and try and suck his intestines out of his ass. Yeah. Does it suck or does it blow? I, I think know. it sucks. Yeah. Because he's like, he was su- like, yeah, he was yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I agree, the idea seems to be that it sucks, <laughs> but also in the room he's in, there's toilet paper blowing upwards. <laughs> in the room. It doesn't make any logical sense. And I'm sitting there as well going, and now if you are extracting it from there, is there a big hole in the back of those things to put a nozzle in? I don't think that's how it works. That's what annoyed me about this film. Again, just the, the exclamation point on how retarded these guys are. Uh, Khan decides to get, uh, what's, what's his shit face name? Gordy. Gordy's, uh, get, him, uh, get his own back on him by applying a suplex. So I'm guessing they didn't see, they didn't see any of those WWE messages of don't try this at home. No, well, well you know. fans, so. Well, oh, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> they yeah. don't care. Yeah, so obviously, and again, when we say retarded, that, that's their words, folks, for this film, by the way, yeah. so don't get yeah, mad at us. I was quite shocked in the modern day where how many times the word retard That's my point. That's, we're, we're, we're echoing it here, but again, yeah. we're saying it because they're saying it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Really, by, even by this point already, and it just carries on throughout, this is less a wrestling film and more like a, a really mean comedy about the South. <laughs> right? you know, like, it really is. It gets worse. Horrible well, about the, the South. Well, well, the thing is, right? Just, just because we get to G- the thing is, though, right? They, they, they're painting like such a beautiful picture of these characters. Okay, so the fact that they are they're, they're retards, they they stick their fingers in yeah, the dumbest paint, dumbest paint, dumbest paint, boobs. Um, yes. they, they work in shit, they like to like suck each other's assholes uh, via uh, their work equipment yes. and, and wrestle each other. They then want to go one step further so that we understand completely how much of losers they are because they go to the McDonald's, whatever the it drive, is, the drive-in, and uh, Khan tries to chat up the girl at the desk and she has none of it. Why? Because you're driving a wagon full of shit. Yes. No, this actually, this does lead to actually what might be my favourite line in the film where they, they pop to the drive through and they make this veiled flirting attempt with, with the, the girl Brit- Brittany and the other girls into, into Scott Khan, Sean. Mm. And... Uh, so, so the, the, the stuck-up girl calls them the losers, and they come back with, would losers have two tickets to Monday Night Nitro tonight? And she says yes! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, when they're talking about the girls, they're talking about, um, a quote, I think it's a quote, girls who like wrestling are gay. <laughs> okay. At this point, they sh- at this point they proudly show off their "What would King do?" bracelets to each other. Oh God! Oh no 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 no! If Jerry Lawler like, sold them, I'd buy one. Be, be specific. One of them made it, and for himself, and the other one had a little hissy fit, cry because he didn't have one too, and then can't turn around and said. I made two. Yeah, yeah. Now that's no, cool. I swear to you, I swear to you, that is the closest the film comes to a touching moment. <laughs> that is, it's, it's as if, you know, you've got, you're filling your shitty film quota. And, oh, here's, here's the love plot. Here is the touching no, that's moment. That's the their attempt. <laughs> oh, good point. I missed that. Another yeah. touching moment. I found the end credits an incredibly touching moment. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about what would King do, like, bracelets. Like, in real life, it's like, if they were charm bracelets, they'd get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we go to Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, apparently. Uh, we get some brief clips of Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero having yeah. a little bit of a... Askless Rey Mysterio, Yes, yeah. good action. Uh, 
a point is raised where I think someone said that their uncle lost a nut in Nam, and then there was a discussion about if you have one nut, is it still the left nut? Yeah. Which that, that's that's the wittiest thing in the whole film. I think I wrote down. And doesn't the yeah. one threaten that he would punch him in the last the the, 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 the nut? Left. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Prince Iakia somehow managed to make it into this sequence. I don't know how. Um, this is the first time we see Titus Sinclair backstage at, at Nitro, which is Cipher from the Matrix, which was a real jarring moment. Yeah. I realised I know that yeah, guy. Not a bad actor. Yeah, at good. All. Really good. You know, you see a lot of stuff that uh, Joe, Joe Pantoliano, yeah. yeah. he's yeah. a yeah. bad boy, Matrix, Memento. Amazing run of the Sopranos. It's crazy how shit he is in this, though. <laughs> <laughs> Betty wish he took the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't we all? Uh, so anyway, at this point, we go backstage, and uh, Diamond Dallas Page is there, hang out with Goldberg, and Titus and DDP's like, so what's the finish tonight with me and King? And Titus and Claire reveals, in, in the laziest booking meeting I've ever seen, um, he'll give you a pile driver, and then he'll crown you. I'd like to note that this is where the film went off the rails realism for me, because there is no way DDP's going out with such little time to prepare <laughs> his match. Little planned out, yeah. 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 He's got like, on the palm pilot. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, as somebody going into this having never seen it before, it had taken this long into the film for me to establish that wrestling in this film was fake. Yes. I mean, I, I didn't know. You know, going in, I'm not knowing. It's like, okay, in the universe that this film is presenting to me... <laughs> Uh, is is wrestling fake and obviously wrestling is fake there and then you take a few steps back to the moment where the kid is crying about how it's not fake and you go oh right well he certainly looks like a fucking idiot now doesn't he so and he's the lead sympathetic <laughs> character your protagonist ladies and gentlemen what I love is Titus Sinclair complains that Jimmy King is late but he's only just told DDP the finish anyway himself so this is pure WCW <laughs> they got that right at yeah. least I'll give him points for that uh, Titus then pulls DDP aside and tells him that he's winning which I like this is a nice little bit of foreshadowing Goldberg, Goldberg's not in on it no, well, he's he's, on, he's, well, he's legit, too legit to quit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, already it kind of goes back on itself on what Luke was saying. They're just kind of establishing that this world is is fake, or, but then immediately then turns around and says, "No, you're winning." Yes, no, this no is matter what, what so because this is real, you're going to win for real this time. You know, it's, it's like, like it's, it's like your a, night. It's like a Russo Nitro. It's the Montreal yeah. screw job taking place before our eyes. Who did we think Titus Sinclair was supposed to be like an amalgamation of? He then? was Bischoff was supposed to play this role. He's the oh. one that authorized this film to happen and then of course he got shit canned right after he did. Yeah. So they 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 created Titus Sinclair, Sinclair to, uh, to to be the the role of the promoter. I would love to see some various drafts of the script. Like you know just to see <laughs> like what but see what was was it as bad as it was on, delivered as it was written or was there different like you know, like you say, that Bischoff character coming out. I didn't think he was very Vince McManus, which is what I thought they would have gone for. How, how could it be better? <laughs> the whole film. script? Yeah. Just... How? <laughs> just, just a little bit of movie trivia on this for you. Um, how? Originally, the bad guy was supposed to be played by, uh, by Kevin Nash. <laughs> and not DDP but when it came up to a scene where they had to film at the end where he was going to lose he suddenly had his fourth hey. heart attack yeah, he couldn't do it lovely you were going to go for couldn't get the insurance or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the match takes place. Jimmy King, Diamond Dallas Page, the match we've all been waiting to see. Uh, it takes place, obviously, they do the, the whole deal, accompanying Jimmy King to the, there down the aisle. Yes. A real ragtag group. Kurt Hennig, Conan, and Perry Satin all appear. And at this point, Jimmy King does a promo in which he raps, which I've just written down. This is the, this is the most god-awful thing I've ever seen in my life. This is just great, because I tell you what, nothing, nothing makes me think more of a king's court than Mexican Conan, right, Southerner Kurt Henning, and cross-eyed Perry Saturn, <laughs> and then proceeds to rap. It's just like, they, they've got this character nailed. Yeah. Now, at this point in the film, once again, having not seen the film, he starts rapping in this shit, I'm like, 
and he says a few things to other people in the ring quietly while yeah. the camera's on. I said, so is this guy the heel for the show? Is yeah. this is this guy the antagonist? I don't understand. I, I, I literally at this point I couldn't follow the plot, and then I realised that there wasn't one, and I felt so much better. Well, but, we, 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 we try at this point again. It's uh, I'm I'm not gonna. I mean, there's plenty to criticise about this film. I think that the thing that needs the most criticism is this rap. I thought this was absolutely <laughs> fucking awful. I just what this. There were about three moments in this film where. I just I wanted to turn it off so badly, and this is the first. See, I gotta say, the first like t- ten seconds of the match, when DDP says to Kim, says to Jimmy King, "Nice sound effects." <laughs> oh. That offended me more than the rap. Yeah. What what the deal was? Titus Sinclair rocks up and basically tells Jimmy King he's dead. It's over for you, whatever screw the fuck. Job. It's a screw job coming up. He doesn't really understand what's going on. DDP, of course, you know, gives, you know, gets, gets the the Iggy, the office from Titus Sinclair to lay it in. So he starts beating the shit out of uh, out of Jimmy King for real. But he has his own boys with him as well. He's got his own boys with him. Don't worry. Hey, every time, every time Jimmy King took a bump or hit the ropes, he lost about twenty pounds. You <laughs> see that? Every time the camera cut to him running the ropes, he looked a lot lighter. And he also got in Canyon's uh, hip toss block and neck breaker spot as well, which is very curious. They start shooting on each other, and there's a ringside table that just curiously pops up with nothing on it. And then seconds later, when they actually use it for the spot, the shit all over. It. It's like, what is this? And of course, it ends up with DP doing a shoot slingshot <laughs> over, the top the table. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> over the top, coming soon to an octagon near you. <laughs> God. Of course, DDP's goons then hit the ring. Again, we're talking about Motley Cruz here. Sid Bigelow, Juventud Guerrero, noted top yeah. heel. Prince yeah. Iakia, other noted top heel. And Van Hammer, who somehow got, got a, uh, a gig here. Yeah. You we- still think that Prince Iakia is the strangest one in this film? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, all the heels are beating down Jimmy King. Here comes the crew of the King, his uh, jesters, I suppose. Saturn, Hennigan, Conan, who in a shock of shocks turn heel... Um, I've just written down It's a swerve <laughs> The rednecks get angry at ringside <laughs> and, uh, and everybody's angry There's a, a four post massacre takes place <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, This four post massacre is my most abiding memory From watching the film yeah. the first time yeah. It's always a bit that stuck Considering all the horrendous things we've talked about already It always stuck with me that like big over the top build To this four post massacre Yeah, And we just get this, this m- Memorable Oscar winning moment From Arquette where he's just going As they're climbing up to the four rope, uh, the four t- uh, turnbuckles to do the the four freaking headbutts to do or whatever, and just oh, okay, just go, oh god, oh god, no! It's <laughs> just like fucking hell. On the eve of the release of uh, X Men Apocalypse, I'm hoping for a four post massacre from the Four Horsemen in, the, in that movie at some point. <laughs> I'm not surprised you can remember it though, Holdy, because they did actually manage to get the phrase four post massacre in at <laughs> least five times. Twice in a row! Because you had the announcer, oh, it looks like they're setting up for the four post massacre. Immediately cuts to Arquette who goes, the four post massacre! <laughs> actually, just one weird thing I kind of noticed, because they kind of established that the commentators in this is Shivani and Tanay. Did anyone notice that, like, Shivani says fucking next to nothing in this yeah. entire film? <laughs> it's just Tanay. Tanay's commentary is the only one you hear. To be honest, Given the, the stuff that Shivani sat there, he probably just saw, thought he was just sitting through a nitro, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's pretty good, this is! This will put butts in seats. It needed some Heenan commentary, that was great. Almost Masker sounds like a sex toy. Heenan <laughs> yeah. there as well. 
Alright, so at this point, the screw job's happened. Um, <laughs> Jimmy King is, has lost his pretty shitty looking version of the WWE World Championship belt, which is silver, I noticed. <laughs> yeah. This is where we get the real crux of the film, the emotional punch, as we find out that Titus uh, Sinclair comes down to Jimmy King's level, and Jimmy King just says, Why? And then we. we why? why? And here comes the emotional punch. Why not? <laughs> I'm, it's I'm, the <laughs> film in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with you, he says. We then cut to the uh, our heroes, Gordy and Sean, on the way home, crying like a pussy. I got the, yeah. I've got the fags crying. <laughs> the fags cry and crash the shit truck, covered in shit, but they like the smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Arquette's line. As they crash the truck, Arquette says, "You know, I kind of like the smell." <laughs> this, 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 Monday night show. Be there next week. <laughs> I'd just like to note that. Kieran is reading all of these notes from what looks like his little black book, so I'm terrified about the next girl he tries to call for a booty call and reads any extracts from me. He's just got ideas. Put your, put your finger in your ass. Come on, retard. Get ready for the poor post massacre, bitch. <laughs> It's just not on top of that, just like being absolutely covered in shit and enjoying it. But then they just have this almost like fucking like Vince Russo booking, but with Judy Bagwell driving the fucking uh, this other truck, which spills out and toilet paper go all over the place. And so these dumb fucks who are standing there coated in like like fifty people's different shit, right, are just there like bamboozled and amazed by the the sheer coincidence of a toilet paper truck. Just like, oh, what a coincidence! It's like, fucking hell. So they believe, you know, that they're complaining. That I think Scott Kahn loses faith at this point that the king is dead. It's all over. You heard what Titus said. He's out of wrestling. Blah blah blah. They're hitchhiking on the road because nobody wanted to give them a ride, I suppose. At the, end, the, the scene, the scene of the accident. So David Arquette has the big existential moment. And decides we've got to find Jimmy King. So as they're hitchhiking, the nuns pick them up, of course. Oh, God. I just before we get to the point, I got just a night before this. That the WCW gets repeated. That's what the WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Bret Hart wrote the script after all the concussions. That makes sense. <laughs> so anyway, we get the scene where they're singing Hallelujah and running with the <laughs> devil. Um, farting nuns I've written down yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. at this point we get well, yeah that, that's the thing that's the, right so they turn around and just say oh dude just a question did you fart at any point during that ride and he's like no man I didn't this and he goes neither did I and I'm just and they're thinking like those are farting nuns they're like, no, you're covered in shit <laughs> yeah. that's you're what just, you're smelling you're just smelling yourself but, like, it, was, just, it wasn't even like they used the farting nuns as an actual physical joke like you didn't yeah. hear the nuns fart at any point like yeah. it's not they like thought, we're thought, paying homage to the campfire scene in um Mel Brooks help me out they were blazing to be saddles they thought after shit pouring all over them they need to be subtle this is one of many scenes in the film that just looked like it was left out of another film yeah. <laughs> like, what have the screenwriter written two dozen films that day and it's like oh shit I need something for oh let's just oh we'll use the nuns from this road movie yeah. nothing to do with this fucking film let's yeah. put it in any Fuck yeah. you, movie! Yeah. Jo- jo- yeah, John Candy giving a lift to uh, Kevin McAllister's mom. This was not. So, anyway, we move to this point to one of the more random moments where the Shermanator shows up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing an arcade game of Jimmy King. Yeah. A really bad I'm looking awful arcade looking game. I'm going awful, man. Recruit. No mercy, it wasn't. <laughs> That was a proper M. Dickey wrestling game for anyone who's ever played one of those. That's perfectly uh, predicting a lot of that. So the Shermanator says that he can get the inside scoop on the the king's whereabouts. 
and takes him to his bedroom where David Arquette takes two dolls, one of Jimmy King and one of DDP, and he starts buttfucking them. <laughs> <laughs> he has Jimmy King sodomizing DDP uh, so the Shermanator can help them find uh, Jimmy King. At this point, this is where Sean has the earphones on that you mentioned before, Luke, because you look like you uh, oh, yeah, and starts singing Hit Me Baby one more, one more time, a note which I just wrote and makes me wish I was the Lindbergh baby. Can, can we... <laughs> Can we agree that was not in the script and they just decided, oh, can you just do something funny? Because up until this yes, point... No. No, apparently not. Because like, up until this point, Scott Kahn doesn't have much to do in this film. He's quiet. He actually doesn't necessarily seem retarded. It's his best performance to <laughs> Exactly. But then this scene comes along and it's like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to put him in the room, but we haven't got any lines for you. Can you, <laughs> can you do something a bit... And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I can improv. This is fine. We're good. I got this. Oh look, there's a CD. Po- I can I can work this, and that's what he came up with. Yeah. And then obviously they had to get the license for the music and that's shit it. as well. They, they would have to pay money yeah. for that. This, this movie that cost 24 million and made about half of that back. I'm sure they're really glad they spent the money on the Britney Spears uh, licenses. <laughs> well, it's got to be topical, you know. Yeah. And we'll get to some of the other music choices throughout the course of this uh, film as we go. Uh, so of course they determine that they're going to find uh, they're going to find the king. They go to his wife's house. Uh, <laughs> and and his wife is the aunt of Sabrina the Teenage yeah, Witch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At which point I verbally explained, NOT YOU TOO! <laughs> Where's Salem? I've got... King's wife is a whore with crabs in yes. the trailer park. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I actually wrote they filmed this during the, uh, the King of the Road match. But I think that it's actually <laughs> funny to mention because here... In one of what I assume is probably one of the truest life moments of the film, the wrestler owes the wife child support, alimony, and dental bills yeah. <laughs> after bailing on them. Of course, she makes the joke to her, David Arquette, have you ever seen crabs, crabs up close? And he seems interested because he's, he's a highbrow sort of fella. So, so we're kind of like delving into the trailer park trash of, uh, of the South now. Um, what about the, the son, Liam? <laughs> the son who looks like the paedophile from the first season of True Detective as we keep talking about the south Wyoming is actually in the north of the country details they've gone to Atlanta now yeah, they, 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 yeah they've gone back to his Atlanta route to try and find him the night this the south podcast anyway. brought to you by English ignorant bastards yeah <laughs> and written by Yankees one can only assume <laughs> they then go to uh, Jimmy King's parents house where they say that he's uh, basically uh, again proving how much of a carny he really is he, he claimed that they were dead or something like that um, they go to the parents oh, house the, the, the parents claim they haven't seen him they you know they haven't seen him and the, the one humorous part where the mom just calls him the big shit <laughs> at the end <laughs> This was a proper, like, topical wrestling bit, though, where basically the guy just lies and then keeps making up more lies all the time about yeah. what, what... I wonder who that truth? was made after. Yeah. <laughs> Brother. So, yeah. <laughs> so at this point, they do, in fact, go to the trailer park uh, where they find Jimmy King in drag. Yeah. Recently retired superstar. Yeah. <laughs> in a Winnebago and a, and a drug addict. So. Yeah. At this point, Carl, I'd like, to, I'd like your input on, uh, on, on how true to life of, of the wrestling business this is becoming. How do you feel about this? Well, it's, its accuracy is beyond repute. <laughs> <laughs> Though, again, it, you could almost argue it's quite apt and a bit of an insight into the quote-unquote real-life wrestlers in the sense of he's pissed away all his money, evidently. <laughs> he has nothing except a drink problem. <laughs> I wonder if he shadowed Jake Roberts for several years. Yeah, yeah. So, at this point, 
after they find that it's actually Jimmy King in drag they're, they're, they're hassling him like, like any marks do why was he in drag by that he's on... oh he's hiding from people don't know oh, okay. who Sorry. he's embarrassed he's... but he's embarrassed by what he's happening but doesn't decide to shave the beard off no yeah. no that's the comedy oh, of course it wouldn't be funny otherwise <laughs> <laughs> so anyway like a true carny he charged them 30 bucks for 5 minutes of his time <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure is the moment all of us around the table and everybody listening can relate to in some form or fashion did you refer to it as a personal appearance thing yeah, yeah. personal I just put, I just wrote Carney works them they expose his lies he tells them to piss off <laughs> I paid 50 euros for 15 minutes in Amsterdam once but I think that's <laughs> nothing to do with the king uh, at this point unless uh, he was on by the seesaw no so oh, come on Carl so anyway the wrestler uh, laughs at his marks for thinking that wrestling's real at this point Again, just, just, just further, you know, throwing that needle in there to Russian fans who are just complete idiots. Um, he, he mocks them, thinking, you know, saying that the king is a fake creation, but Arquette won't be deterred and says, the fans need you, king. At this point, I think Arquette takes him down and puts him in a Terry Funk spinning toehold. Yeah. King then returns by beating up the marks and then, and then having a change of heart and just saying he does, in fact, want to uh, be the Bret Hart to Tyson's Vincent Mann and take a swing at him. It was a, a very emotional plot point here yes we're pinched and twisted in a different direction to take us into the second act yes and the second act begins with <laughs> Gordy and Sean wheeling in Jimmy King in a shitter <laughs> to the oh, WCW yes. Nitro episode backstage they take a moment to perv on the Nitro girls because because oh, take a moment to perv on the, the fully clothed Nitro yeah, girls saying they call naked, naked. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah d- d- <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> and then they have. Um, was it Rose McGowan who plays? Yes. Yeah. 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 But she looks nothing like a Nitro girl at all. No. She looks like an actress. So. Yeah, so Rose. She sticks out better as yeah. much as the king does. <laughs> now, 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 considering what like, kind of happens to her character later on, who, who, who do you think she's uh, supposed to be uh, lampooning? Well. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> if Vince Russo wrote to every treacherous whore that there ever was, bro. <laughs> mm. uh, so, anyway, yeah, at this point. Uh, DDP's doing a promo backstage with the bell so they're mocking Jimmy King off camera Marks take out Titus Sinclair as Jimmy King bursts out of the uh, portable <laughs> toilet to attack Diamond Dallas Page um, Van Hammerland is the best thing I think he did in his entire career by beating the shit out of Scott Kahn and David Arquette with Bam Bam Bigelow's help um, uh, is that, I didn't clock that it was Van Hammer I was trying to figure out who that was Van Hammer <laughs> yeah so uh, at this point DDP gets thrown in the toilet and then comes staggering out with toilet paper Hanging out of his ass. At which point, oh, yeah. I, at which point, I'd just like to repeat: it is safe to assume that professional wrestlers are the most respected athletes of all time. Yeah. You've got as well on commentary. Uh, I think it's Shivani or Skiavone, Skiavone or, or Tanae. King's not in the script. Oh, oh, this, oh, oh, it's real now, brother. <laughs> yeah. So this is just great stuff here. But this, yeah, so like I said, uh, Jimmy King, <laughs> Jimmy King, then somehow wins the world championship oh, yeah. he, finish. He, pin, he pins him backstage Gordy yells at the referee to do his job which case I just told him to fuck off <laughs> it's not my job to count pinfalls backstage you fucking humanoid so, so, so he's so, not actually the new world champion as it turns out somebody has said this wasn't sanctioned at all <laughs> so, so, yeah, so in this moment the worker has forgotten that everything is a work and generally thinks by pinning a guy he's now champion yeah Right, and on top of that, just with the, Shiv- the, the Shivoni comment, so so did that go out? So in in the concept of the movie, did that go out on air then? That they just yes. turned around and just said, "That's yes. a script." Yes. Said, this isn't in the script. To the fans that are watching <laughs> at home, just like WCW, like I said, they did that. That's a thing that happened. Oh, yes. <laughs> to quote the Big Lebowski, 
this isn't Nam, there are rules. <laughs> <laughs> and am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Yeah, so Titus says it's bullshit and makes the cage match for the, uh, the next pay-per-view, conveniently enough. Disco Inferno is just kind of standing there while this is all going on. He's just backstage. I think he's supposed to get the match with DDP, and uh, he's just kind of watching his... his, uh, his, his Vaunted title shot he's probably waited his whole career for has just been taken from within his grasp. He should have just busted out the shitter and pinned him. <laughs> but, why, but why does he give him the match? He's fired him. And offers he, him a million dollars if he yeah, wins, yeah. too. He's fired him. He doesn't work for the company, right? The pinfall means nothing because it's not a real sport. So why the fuck does he give him a title match? Instead, he's going to go to WWE. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Tenor of the times, G. Tenor of the times. It's WCW and it's Ted Turner's money. It's the WCW. Of course. <laughs> So, we go to the after party, I assume. Gordy and Sasha begin flirting uh, no, backstage. He, I've just referred to him as Shitfinger from this point. <laughs> <laughs> Shitfinger gets hit on by a Nitro girl. I got in brackets, fake. Uh, <laughs> oh, she thinks it's a work too, question mark. At this point, uh, Oliver Platt is drinking booze down by the shed, at which point I, it occurred to me all of a sudden this film would have been so much better if it was Kenny Powers. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, at this point, um, Gene Oakland is also drunk. It's a party backstage. Yeah. Oh, Gene yes. Drunk. Booker T just makes a cameo and starts juking and jive into the music. Was it, was it say, am I, was it say, uh, am, I, am, I, am I sexy? Am yeah. I sexy too? <laughs> do you think I'm sexy to Jimmy King? And I think Jimmy King says, yes, I do, Gene. Yeah, maybe, I think you do. At this point, Jimmy King falls down a manhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he decides, he just decides, he takes his little sip of drink and just decides, fuck this, because he realizes, he's still confused about the whole work reality kind of thing, decides to run off, because someone leaves like a manhole cover open and a jar so that he falls and just straight through. And we then dedicate through. some screen time to a discussion about how they knew where to find him yeah. after he fell down the manhole but, cover. But also the fact he didn't want to leave as well. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously we cut to what I assume is the next morning as Jimmy King wanders out of the sewers where he's been all night. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that only makes him more attractive to Gordy and Sean, I'm sure. And he loves the rats. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, again, he's he's having a crisis. He doesn't know if he's able to do this. So Gordy and Sean sing him a special song that they made in in their bedroom, I assume. It's it's awful. I'm, again, I'm not going to repeat it. It's just absolutely awful. There, there's like two lines. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all it needed to be. I wanted to do two lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that went a long way for me, as Gorilla Monsoon once said. Um, so at that point, Gordy and Sean take King to Sal Bandini. No. <laughs> I like Sal Bandini. <laughs> Want to wrestle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Stu Hart of the film, which basically is what it is. As they're walking towards, I think they can hear the screams from yeah. the uh, yeah. from his room. As, the he's, as he's beating up college kids. Yeah, or have case, some discipline. Or, yeah. or in this case, high school kids. Right. I, I got a real uncomfortable John Dupont vibe from this. No, I, I, I thought you know, you, there's, you can tell it was made in the in the late nineties there because you know it was an injuring kids joke and not a paedophile joke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Although, when they rock up and you hear all the screaming, they're actually fully bandaged when the wrestling team leaves, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> just for emphasis, I guess. Curious. Just, just a quick question through all this myriad of shit. That is yeah. the truck, or...? The truck, the film, the, 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 whole, the whole shebang. If someone mentioned earlier it cost $25 million to make. Yeah, just so think, hold, hold just think, that just think, for, for this production, if they hadn't made that film, bearing in mind it was ninety-nine. WCW would have turned a profit for that year. <laughs> <laughs> Priority, priorities, Carl. They might still be here today. Gotta to spend money to make money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, you're such a kidder. 
<laughs> so anyway, this one, of course, this world champion wrestler gets the shit kicked out of him by the eight-year-old man because Sal Bandini's odd. Mohammed Imad Bruce Lee is now training Jimmy King. Uh, we cut to Gordy going out on a date with Sasha. So he knocks on her door <laughs> armed with bananas. Oh, yeah, Asfinger buys Nitro Girl bananas because they ran out of flowers. Apparently, so yeah. Uh, I've written down he beats her up under the guise of mating. I think. That, so basically. She said something yeah. like, I want to see your moves. Oh. He takes it literally. Oh, yeah. this is, yeah, at this point, I wasn't sure if it was... A, I've got... Asfing is a twat, obvious, obvious swerve, or does she want to fuck and he doesn't get it? I'm not sure what the joke is. It's, <laughs> it's just the Adam Rose style of foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's, it's just... A, it's, it's just well they didn't mention Jimmy Snooker at the start of the film so. it's, it's, it's now we're getting we're no getting, briefcase was involved though. We're, we're getting we're getting a full layers now of, of these type of characters so so, so, so so retard sticks finger in ass fucks around in shit likes the smell of shit and now he's blatantly a virgin yeah. because they mention oh, it later yeah, on says, dad yeah. I fu- I've lost my I virginity, lost my virginity. Yeah. so he did he well, had no fucking clue whatsoever what to do with her so opted for like a hip apparently she gets a tits out and and an ass finger punches her <laughs> apparently they fucked for an object <laughs> <laughs> apparently they fucked oh they're a couple I'd like to know as well he obviously didn't get the WWE that they're international objects of course <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, at this point, Jimmy King goes to the gym to talk to Bill Goldberg. The cameo here that many people yep, mention yep. in the feedback, John Cena is backstage John, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the... Uh, John, yeah. John Cena's yeah. in the background. Yeah. Background, Spiking sorry. Yeah, yeah, vanilla, yeah. vanilla ice haircut. Yeah. So Goldberg says <laughs> that Jimmy King is a second-rate wrestler and a third-rate <laughs> man, which I love just for the Jimmy King come back of, you're still mad that I blew that spot in Akron. Yeah! <laughs> Strange thing to come back with. Yeah, of course, which I thought was funny until they, 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 they stretched the joke out and ended up that Jimmy King puked on him in a tag yeah. match when they were partners. Yeah. Not funny in the slightest, yeah. but what can you do? Um, Goldberg then says he works alone, and I can see why. <laughs> looking, looking at the, the cavalcade that he's uh, dealing I with work here. Alone. <laughs> we get to uh, Sal Bandini having dinner. Um, yeah. At his own house, <laughs> at which point we have the break-in from Sid yeah. Vicious and Perry right. Saturn. Right, I have to say, in in some funny way, I found this scene quite entertaining. Just through <laughs> just through the sheer stupidity of it all, it is Home Alone. So just this old man is just busy eating, and you just get this like really bad like Lauren and Hardy kind of act between per- cross-eyed Perry Saturn and probably even bigger uh, you know fingers uh, upper ass retard and Sid right looking at each other like right, let's get the old geezer as they sneak <laughs> up on him like a fucking Tom in a Tom and Jerry fucking cartoon right then, then Sid picks his dummy up pulls his head off <laughs> just the, the look that Sid gives Perry Saturn like what the deuce <laughs> and the be- didn't we establish as well that this guy lived on a, a second floor at least because <laughs> <laughs> so where are they coming from? Are they like <laughs> Sid's very tall. Sid scaled the side of the building. Uh, yeah, like someone King was Kong. like, "We need someone to crawl in through a second-story window." But like Sid, he's pretty uh, agile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But very sad that he, he, he can get away quickly on his feet. <laughs> very sad that he didn't break in with a chair leg in his hand or a pair yeah. of scissors or, anything like that. or escape and then blow his leg in half. <laughs> <laughs> the squeegee give us that you know yeah. this scene was actually reasonably effective as as you say a Home Alone style <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom and Jerry cartoon 
But the, it, it, this is when it really hit me, though, that the film has no consistency in this regard. It's like, this is from Home Alone. This is understatement of the year. You, had, you have a road movie at one point. You have the, 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 foreign, the foreign objects bit is like... There's something for everyone! <laughs> well, it's just like, it, it, it's like, oh, take a bit of every type of... Because the foreign objects bit is like really bad um, naked Four gun things, yeah, kind of yeah. humour. And, 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 and yeah, well, yeah, Boogie's probably a better example. But it's, it's just... I, I, the the scriptwriter sat down like he he knows vaguely what comedy is and no and and watched one episode one he knows of comedy <laughs> he knows that other people make comedy movies he knows of wrestling and has been told to make a movie that features both and that's what we got I'm with Gian I think the bit when he pops up and goes so Bandini wanna wrestle <laughs> yeah. is probably the funniest bit in the film because that's when he like whips takes one leg each of these huge muscle man wrestlers <laughs> and pulls them completely off their feet and just rips the shit out of them <laughs> until Sid finally does in fact I believe break a chair no he breaks a chair like, he breaks a chair over his back and they actually oh, do yeah. kick the shit out yeah, of him yeah. now of course you're jumping the gun there when they're at a hospital Sasha calls Titus Andrade Titus Andromeda. <laughs> Titus Andromeda. <laughs> That's a completely different character. <laughs> yeah, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Titus Andromeda. Titus Sinclair gets called from Sasha, uh, who reveals that she is, of course, in on it. She's a spy on the inside. Gord- Gordy hears it, figures it out, and of course, this is where we see Sid crying in Titus's office uh, for getting the shit kicked out of him by Sal Bandini. This is, this is great. I-, I actually did chuckle at that moment. Just Sid just sat down like like slowly kind of like dabbing at like a, a, a bruised cheek and a, a black eye just crying into his hanky just for some reason <laughs> just just made me laugh I don't know why I think that probably the thing as well is that Titus is probably realising that point that he's had Sal Bandini on contract paying him 400 grand a year <laughs> in the past four months so. <laughs> not four months that joke down. oh that's fine <laughs> <laughs> so anyway at this point they uh, they ditch Sasha they, they reveal that they knew it and Cowboy by Kid Rock plays. Oh, I think before this, before this, we got uh, Sal doing his Mickey from Rocky uh, speech. Yeah. Is it here? It is, it isn't is, it? They yeah. go and see him. You're then, right. Then, then Ass Finger dumps Sasha, and I just put fool. <laughs> yeah. So he looks shocked as well. By looks shocked. Heartbroken. Jimmy King goes to. He, he wants to make amends. He wants to right the wrongs of his life. So he goes to see his wife, who in the best high spot of the film kicks him straight in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did pop for. That was great. Um, again, paedophile from True Detective appears. His son, which when Jimmy King puts him over by his, oh my god, with his grill or whatever it is. He's got braces. They look awful. Yeah. Look what the cat dragged in. Yeah, it's just it's, it's, God damn. They go back to Wyoming. They go back to see uh, Daddy Cop, David Arquette's dad, who orders Gordy into the car. Uh, and says that uh, tells David Arquette that following his dream is stupid. Which after the following. Or following the, the previous 30 minutes I can completely agree with him he says that following dreams are stupid Charlie Manson had a dream doesn't make it good neither does Joe <laughs> Stalin or Michael Bolton that was a good line I don't know I Michael Bolton another you didn't say Joseph Stalin it says Joe Stalin Joe Stalin first name too <laughs> <laughs> oh well crazy Joe over there <laughs> David Arquette has to study for his cop exam so he can't go to Vegas to the Royal Bash pay-per-view uh, and then he does his, his big sad moment where he says that it's time to grow up because you know wrestling's childish yeah, and all yeah. um, we then go to again well Luke, he's not a virgin anymore so he really should be growing up now perhaps so Luke you mentioned here previously about just completely random scenes thrown in and this, this is where we do the, the tryouts for Jimmy King's posse in a barn 
with a bunch of rednecks, again, all going for the role, oh. completely awful, and this leads to absolutely nothing. nothing. And are any of, the, even the woman, is she there at the actual yeah. pay-per-view? Yeah, they yeah. are. Right, right. one second. The, the, yeah. th- the three people that get picked for this, this just seems like a, an excuse to show another broad in there, yeah. in, in a, unmentionables. You mean Pretty Kitty? Pretty Kitty. Do you get, do you get it? Miss Kitty for Jimmy King. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I, just, I thought it was just a pussy joke. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. I, I, that too. <laughs> yeah. So, was she anybody, was she a wrestler? No. 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 Nobody. Didn't know she was going to be an indie wrestler, female like indie legend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, who were the other two? Those, those, those oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Let's move on. Jesus, Liesem, call yourself a journalist. Broadcast <laughs> <laughs> journalist. Yeah. <laughs> Will you stop? <laughs> so anyway, at this point, after they pick the three people, the three people do accompany Jim King down the aisle of the pay-per-view, but nothing else happens with them, so that, this is a complete waste of five minutes. That sounds like what happens to most tough enough winners, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy King leaves uh, this, this neck of the woods to go to uh, Las Vegas, because, you know, it's a shoot, so all shoots have to happen in Vegas, where it can be regulated, I assume. Uh, Arquette says he can't go and feel like he's let the king down it's emotional oh. I've written Khan gives his shirt to a, a girl and gets a blowjob apparently as well yes and of course as with all comedies of this type we get the obligatory ass shot yeah. from yeah. Scott Khan male yeah. Oh, yeah. ass shot then I realise yeah oh no they actually fucked yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so now he's lost his virginity as well. Oh, now. Cool. So, so now you see oh, both of both of them heading it, both of her heading him into the show now as men. Almost sane one. I was yeah, I was. And he realised it was nice that he came round on the plain Jane girl who worked at the diner at the start. Cause that's well, who we ended up sleeping with. Wasn't that that is that is yeah. nice. Yeah, that there nice. is nice. Touch it moment. But that might be the end of Act Two. So <laughs> that is the end of Act Two. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going home here. We're on the home stretch. Titus Sinclair is backstage approaching Sting who hasn't seen this whole film yeah. so far I'm not sure if he's just, even really mentioned by oh, name oh, this, 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 this infuriated me and this goes right to the point of the whole this is like if you, if you take this as someone who doesn't know wrestling yeah. at all right this is, this, is, this is a bad fucking film right and how it's made because as you said Sting just turns up out of nowhere as you said he's only mentioned once before but not like while he's there so there's no context of who he is he's just talking to a guy who looks like the crow that's all he is no context as to who he is he is why is there? there's no like scene beforehand where maybe he he objected to King being screwed over and like uh, Sinclair bribed him or whatever no he's just sat there like some fucking pleb and he's shouting at him with no context whatsoever right a couple of things with that <laughs> for about 18 months in the real world quote unquote of wrestling Sting got paid to just sit there and stare at things <laughs> that aside Let's not pretend for any moment that this film was designed for anyone who wasn't already a wrestling fan. Which makes the choice of what they did so much more baffling. So anyway, at this point, like we said, Titus is telling him to make sure that the king loses with with the strong verbiage, I will kill you if you fuck this up. (laughs) Which... What what single F-bomb that they can get away with in what I assume was probably a PG-13 film? Got me. Yeah, probably. That's that's the Vince McMahon side of him coming out there. Fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Kahn is back. The three Scott Kahn is backstage. What means you're Vince McMahon, Tony Soprano? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the three. That <laughs> was the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's not assume that Vincent Man backstage threatens to kill his employees. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen there, fellas. He just molests them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Boss man! <laughs> so Scott Kahn's backstage in a red pimp suit uh, as Jimmy no, King's manager. Yeah, looking yeah. like a 30s gangster douche. Yeah. I've got you. Yeah. 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 He probably lent the outfit to CM Punk. Yeah, the, th- the, th- <laughs> <laughs> the, th- the three hillbillies who weren't tough enough are just standing there and have no role in anything else for the rest of the, uh, the-, the film. Thank you for coming. Um, so the fight goes down. It's a triple cage as they announce it. Michael Buffer. Why not? More cages. Buffer announces the entire thing. He gets in his catchphrase, let's get ready to rumble, which of course is what the whole thing's built around. He doesn't say let's get no, ready to rumble. No, no, we says, are. We are ready to rumble. I was like, you've yeah. just botched your own catchphrase, mate. Well fucking done. That's what it felt like. There, Fuck you. There is a fantastic line in uh, Roger Ebert, movie, cinematic genius Roger Ebert, the movie critic, where in his review of this, which is still a very long while, where he says that uh, he felt that um, after Buffer went backstage, the film would have been better if it had just followed him backstage. <laughs> <laughs> so with everything on the line, the WCW title, $1 million at stake, it's the Royal Bash, Triple Cage, Jimmy King, DDP. The match is on. The match is on. Uh, and, and as with any shoot fight, it starts with a twisting urinaki suplex and the lariat I've written down here. Um, they go to the outside where Scott, the king is getting the shit kicked out of him basically by DDP here in the shoot fight. Scott Kahn throws powder in DDP's eyes, who laughs and says that doesn't work in real life. <laughs> yeah! Which I'm pretty sure it would. And I'm sitting there going, so is it fake and real That's and so fake? Because I, 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 I spent the whole film thinking I'd started to understand something, and the film would swerve me. <laughs> so, yeah, Russo. DDP ends up handcuffed uh, to the steel cage of the lower floor and uh, there's a run-in. Jimmy King gets a, uh, attacked by Juventud Guerrero and a mystery man in an Eric Rowan mask. So, uh, yeah. You almost forgot the, uh, the you know, the diamond upside down is a pussy. No, I didn't, I didn't forget it. I hated that line. <laughs> I thought that line was awful. I know some people like it, but I hated that line. I got the feeling that that line was like the genesis of the movie. Like, some guys are sat backstage and said, said to me, hey, upside down diamond's a pussy, but fuck me that'd be a good line in a shit film <laughs> let's, let's write a script around that <laughs> the mystery man turns out to be uh, Jimmy King's son who <laughs> yeah. Tony Schiavone somehow figures this out despite never meeting him in his entire <laughs> yeah. life yeah. It must be his son. so that's where Russo got the idea from for David Flair to turn on Rick right <laughs> well he is a broadcast journalist so and but I God, oh, no, I was just going to say as a, maybe a little bit of a logic bomb here if this was an inside deal then the commentator would probably be in on the fact that Jimmy King's son was going to make a guest appearance. But it's a shoot, so how would he know that he's there? What? Because they, they were setting up with Sinclair to... Because well, he would be backstage. backstage. Not accepting that as a logic bomb. When he takes his mask off, Sinclair's on the outside, it cuts down for a moment, and Sinclair goes, shit! <laughs> and he does! He does! You watch he this fight! He goes, shit! And then you go... But surely you set this up there. Yeah. What? How did this occur if you didn't know? Seriously, cuz Timmy goes, shit, it makes no sense, movie! And then doesn't the son hit him with the worst looking clothesline ever? Well, he is Second. a non-wrestler, you know, this is yeah. his first try, this give him a break. True. So anyway, at this point, Bar with the Bar hits, and uh, Goldberg, Kidman, Booker T, and the aforementioned Disco Inferno run in for the save. Not the people that were given trance specifically so they could watch <laughs> his back. These guys come in. But they can't get in. I, I, actually, I, I've missed the point here. Of course, everybody runs in. Sid, Saturn, Hammer. They all run in with bolt cutters and then lock the cage door again. It's like the ending to a Monday Night Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> and then Borat the Bar hits. Goldberg, Kidman, Booker, Disco all run in for the save. But they didn't bring any bolt cutters. So they're Shit. just... <laughs> 
stood on the outside like dickheads <laughs> until thankfully but wait! <laughs> David Arquette Ass finger <laughs> comes back on his bike he's now a cop apparently state trooper bike <laughs> yes yeah, no, just want to sign out here for the it's old, not- <laughs> old shit zipper himself Arquette he gets to Las Vegas very fucking quickly <laughs> he sure does at first I had to do a double take make sure it wasn't Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker doing a running but and just before you think that's a dated joke he was there in 2001 WCW uh, so yeah they, they break into the cage with the, the motorbike thanks well, which, to Gordy which, which again this goes down into how bad a movie this is is the fact that in the establishing shot of that cage going down you can blatantly see that there's not enough room for those cage doors or whatever the fuck is opening to swing open fully so the bike can get in there's no there's no feasible way that that bike could break through the cage that uh, they've constructed uh, just more absolute nonsense. At this point in the movie, I really don't think it matters. <laughs> <laughs> I think they felt the same the way. It kind of flies through the cage anyway. Yeah, so yeah he, fly, he flies over the door, yeah. over the yeah. top rope, doesn't he? Um, of course, the, the dad is watching from the station because all the police are, are fans as well. And he starts marking out for his son on television, laying the smack down on these fully trained professional wrestlers. Um, Sasha is at ringside trying to strike a conversation gets hit with a ladder yeah I should say at this point this is now referred to as a ladder match yeah and it's also referred to as a hardcore street fight yeah actually no sorry I've I've jumped the gun there they go to the top of the cage DDP throws him off the third cage so he lands on the top of the first one has the match won when babyface thing flies through the air on a zip line um, and kicks DDP off to the first floor as well, proving that I guess he is the babyface. Mm. Uh, eventually, they gl- climb back up. Jimmy King Goldberg's sl- looking very concerned at this point. He is. He's, he's, he's flinching. He's he's, he's pointing. <laughs> he's pointing. <laughs> Real hell at the moon type of moment there from Bill Goldberg. Uh, Jimmy King slams DDP through the top of the cage, and he goes through every single cage and crashes to the ground beneath him. Apparently dead. Apparently yeah. dead. Got, got, got to be a better bump than Foley. Yeah, so Jimmy King then takes the belt, wins. It shows idiots in the fans rejoicing, idiots at home rejoicing, David Arquette's stupid father rejoicing. Um, Titus Sinclair gets thrown into the crowd to body surf, and they just drop on the floor and start beating him up, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and, and, and there you go. An end scene, but obviously the, the, the last part is, uh, is the worst that, of this. There's a great line when Khan and uh, Arquette... <laughs> shit finger uh, ass finger uh, basically pull a, a authority with Stephanie and uh, like, the, like the baby faces do with the authority when they say that you didn't make wrestling St. Clair the fans did yeah so that's where they got the idea for that line yeehaw and, and they now established that both uh, that uh, shit finger and uh, Khan are now on the roster and the, yeah so here we go we get the introduction of Sean Sugar Daddy something or other and Gordy aka The Law which leads to again the third moment that I want to kill myself which was I will bust you from David Arquette which was just <sighs> fucking awesome. say as well it King turned down Goldberg's assistance <laughs> team with David Arquette yeah. I know he was world champion as well so <laughs> yeah. so we're back go ahead Carl and he was the one that broke into the cage not Goldberg at which point <laughs> at which point the film ends no it doesn't Does it? oh no it's still going there's more <laughs> there is you more you save it Carl we're back at the station where it all began we're back at that 7-Eleven where it all started Carl <laughs> Goldberg breaks through the glass in his pants in his pants yes! Scott Ka- Scott Kahn's telling the kids about this great story Goldberg breaks through they get into a Hummer which, which pulls up Sal Bandini's in the back with the Nitro oh, Girls in a jacuzzi and says God bless America <laughs> <laughs> 
this is just the, with, her, with her future Mrs. T as well. Yeah, just the completely obscure moment is there just in the back he says, God bless America. And that's when Finn. <laughs> to the credits and we're not gonna take it any more from Twisted Sister, which I I thought was incredibly apt. <laughs> You've heard the film You've heard our thoughts as we've gone long. We'll, we'll, we'll summarise shortly, but we're going to get to the feedback now because there's plenty of it. Uh, we'll do a couple of uh, short burst ones first, because uh, this one made me laugh. Cypher on WrestlingForum.com says, One of my favourite movies always puts a smile on my face, which is too much of a coincidence with that name. Yeah. Power Butchie on the UK fan form says, The bit where the ginger one said a diamond upside down is a pussy, the DDP made me piss myself when I was 15. Spillchuck on TPWW says, Excuse the mess, my aim's a little off, I've been using the jackhammer. Which was, oh, yeah. <laughs> the builder uh, in, yeah. in, in the porta potty before Arkat goes in to clean it earlier in the film. I've been using the jackhammer! <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I've got a question for you guys, right? Uh, it's funny to laugh at now. Were you laughing at the time? No, no exactly. No. Exactly. No. I feel like we've had way more laughing yeah. sitting around this table because yeah. I don't know about I, I, I'm not a horrible human most of the time but I sat sour faced yeah. through this whole fucking I, thing I, I was just worried that that guy had some sort of bowel cancer or something he's got some sort of problem with his anus Rassel on UK fan form says DDP pisses charisma all over this film uh, well, 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 I don't know if anybody shares that sentiment um, he I, tries DDP was one of the better yeah like, he, he tries he, he, he tries yeah. I came for hookers on the TPWW forum says DDP with toilet paper still in his ass as the king beat him up and he just left it at that uh, Chokeout on the UK fan forum says only WCW could make a film that has the cham living in a trailer and shows their fans as retarded hicks and wonder why it doesn't work <laughs> Keds on uh, the F4W board says honestly I have great fun nostalgic memories of Ready to Rumble I remember buying it on video along with a whole bunch of WWF and WCW tapes and Beavis and Butthead tapes from HMV when I was 11 years old Some summer of 2000 or 2001 I think I had no expectation going in other than knowing this is the WCW movie I was just a marked kid at the time as I noted I bought it on tape with a whole stash of other stuff and I remember watching it sandwiched between some pay-per-views and it was honestly great fun. I enjoyed it. I was a clueless 11 year old kid so I wasn't watching with such a critical eye, just marking out for seeing the WCW guys in that context. Never hit me that the crooked promoter in the movie was also Cypher from the Matrix, though I did find it a bit hard to buy Oliver Platt as a pro wrestler because I only knew him from JFK. Oh yeah. I watched it, enjoyed it, watched it again a few <laughs> more times that summer. It was a great lazy summer day popcorn flick. flick. Uh, high point for me was watching the first time as a kid was the final scene the triple cage match with all the big stars and that sick bump Canyon took off the top of it Uh, so yeah my take on that is as a clueless kid seeing it for the first time it was great fun and holds a special place in my heart in terms of nostalgia for a particular summer I'm sure going back now and watching it with a critical eye you could tear the movie to shreds but I honestly don't want to so uh, yeah hold on to your nostalgic memories because doing anything else is is, is destructive I didn't have nostalgic memories about this as a youngster personally I can can understand I wasn't 11 when I saw it yeah Yeah, exactly you kind of got to give it a buy I mean shit when I was probably like that age I thought the Power Rangers movie was fucking awesome doesn't mean I I like it now (laughs) I don't know what that means (laughs) 
Chardcore on the UK fan form says, Ready to Rumble was a film I was excited by after reading about it in WCW magazine in the run-up to its release. Tanay had written a column about the filming in an area in California, I believe, which would explain the scenic connection. The Los Angeles Auditorium. Was it really? Uh, the Olympic Auditorium, I think. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh, anyway, when I finally got to see it in 2004, I thought it was farcical. Jimmy King had been champion for ages and I just couldn't understand why. His little rap went in the ring. Who did that in the year 2000? It would have come off as phony and rubbish at the time in any federation, and it did so in the film. This film's saving grace for me is DDP's performance, which was perfectly fine from an acting point of view. He got what he was supposed to, ju- to do and just got on with it. Also, the Shermanator being in this film, talking about what his dad says, just cracked me up at 18 years old because I thought it was so stupid. This being that if you cry you're a pussy, right? Everything makes yeah. you a pussy. Pukins for pussies. <laughs> this is what I take away from the film. It's totally ridiculous and silly, but there are nuggets of fun. Okay, maybe not nuggets, but flakes of fun There's to be found. nuggets in this film. Vito Cruz on TPWW says, This was the first movie I ever got on DVD. And having, ne- <laughs> and having never had a DVD before, the very idea of being able to effortlessly skip between scenes in movies totally blew my nips off. I loved it, though. WCW could do no wrong for me as a young fan, even if much of what they were doing around this time period is, is horrible in retrospect. Uh, Norcross RD on the F4W board responds to the questions we asked. Uh, what are your expectations going in? He said, I thought it would be a campy time, but a fun look at the inside of WCW wrestling. His experience watching was, as a hardcore fan, I enjoyed parts of it. Overall, I was embarrassed at how they treated wrestling and wrestling fans in the movie. I also found it funny that by the time Ready to Rumble came out, many of the wrestlers were in the WWE. Yeah. <laughs> also, I needed to get my car repaired, and a movie theatre was near the place, so I saw an early matinee of Ready to Rumble and was the only one in the theatre. <laughs> I don't know anyone else who saw it. No, I don't either. That's like, pretty interesting. Uh, uh, his high point was Sting coming to the rescue in the Doomsday Cage match. I was and still am a Sting mark, so that was cool. The four-post massacre was campy fun. The low point was treating all wrestling fans as morons and dumbasses, using a version of the Montreal screw job in the plot. Uh, and as a side note, has any wrestler talked about their involvement with Ready to Rumble before? Which uh, there actually is a fun story that I read in in, uh, in preparation mm. for this, where DDP yeah. suggested an alternative ending to this, where yeah. after the yeah. fi- after the final bout happened, uh, Jimmy King and DDP were bumping into each other backstage, and obviously everybody freaks out thinking they're going to fight again, and then they hug and reveal that it was all a work all along, and uh, and they turn around to the uh, the marks and say, "Welcome to the business, kid. Let's go out for a beer." That, that's almost a touching moment. <laughs> yeah. The film never achieved. No. <laughs> What's the matter with that, Kira? That. that- that would have just been that would, even worse. That would have literally put the nugget cherry on top of the pile of steaming shit that is this Well, film. frankly, I think it required the cherry. <laughs> no, it didn't either. It's more Wh- moose than there Sunday. Wishbone on TPWW says, didn't actually watch the movie until I was in my teens. Saw it with a friend, and honestly, I'd heard about it before, so going in, I was expecting a so bad it's good movie. In the end, I think that's exactly what I got. It wasn't a great movie by any means, but I got a lot of laughs out of it, sometimes for the wrong reasons. Uh, me and said friend used the I will rule you line from Jimmy King on multiple occasions as sort of an inside joke whenever we were screwing around, and the foreign objects line also became a running gag for us. Uh, I guess the movie has a place in my heart despite how stupid it is, since it gave me something me and my friend could share for years. MASH28 on the F4W board says, depicted uh, diehard wrestling fans as booger-eating morons and top wrestling stars as scummy deadbeats. Not that this is historically inaccurate, (laughs) but you wouldn't expect the major wrestling company to make a movie promoting those ideas. The plot of the movie was based around an evil promoter putting a real-life screwjob on his champion, so a WCW movie relied on WWE lore. Peter Dinklage getting the lead in the Andre biopic would only be a strangely, a slightly stranger choice than casting Oliver Platt as badass wrestling star. (laughs) 
Gay as Fook on the UK fan forum says, I only saw it once on the movie channel around late 2000, early 2001. And like Tiger Rick, I can't remember a thing about it other than the fact that Eric Bischoff's name was Sinclair and I equated him to being a cross between a wrestling promoter and Elliot Carver from Tomorrow Never Dies because of the whole Silver Fox Media mogul thing. I was 9 or 10 at the time, had never watched WCW before, and was mired in kayfabe, so I found a lot of it puzzling, while still discerning that WCW, at least at the time, must have been an absolute fucking hump of a promotion to let this thing see the light of day. Mental to think that it was only 5 years between Ready to Rumble and the first slew of WWE film releases which have now been going on for 10 years. When's the last time they gave a WWE film any sort of worthwhile promotion outside one or two adverts and a cardboard sign hanging in the authorities' office? I assume by now the 12 round franchise is up to 17 films and the latest one co-stars Fandango and Mila Jolovich's stunt double from Resident Evil. Uh, Lord Peepness on the FWB board says, I didn't see it until after the reviews were in, so I expected it to be bad, and it was. It's an enjoyable movie if you've got a two drink minimum going into it. Uh, the best scene is probably not Vince telling Sting not to fuck things up for him. The worst one is definitely, WRESTLING'S NOT FAKE! Kerry on TPW uh, forum says, Favourite line from the film, WRESTLING'S NOT FAKE! Uh, you know my brother and I still quote the film to this day, I still have it on VHS and watch it a lot. Other noteworthy moments, Disco Inferno gets the first title shot after DDP wins it. That sweet sliding head scissors during the backstage assault on Titus Sinclair. <laughs> that <laughs> was really sweet, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> the John Cena cameo and of course everything Sal Bandini says. Uh, Matt Appen on, <laughs> on the Facebook page says, Do you think I'm sexy? Yes, I think you're sexy, mean Gene. Uh, this movie gave us world heavyweight champion David Arquette. Not only is this movie one continuous low point with the exception of drunk Gene Oakland, it's directly responsible for one of the lowest points in wrestling. Was making Arquette champion to promote the film? I, I, that's, how I, that's how I interpreted it. I would say it was just to get the USA Today. You know, they just wanted to draw anything that would draw attention. Russo's big, big thing that he's so happy about is that it got on in, in USA Today, which of course means nothing really in, in, the, in the real world. But um, Yeah, okay. So basically... Cool. Thanks, Russo. Yeah, thanks, Russo, for, for that role. We, we, we all enjoy the cherry. So Russo had nothing to do with the production of it or anything like you, that. It surprisingly, just, no. Oh, no, that's, no. that's my next question. Yeah, he, he, just, yeah. he just happened to be in charge when it eventually came out, basically. They were just, they were just gimmicking, mim mimicking his writing style, I guess. Yeah. It just proved to be the... What can I say? His inspiration, for lack of a better word... Uh, for his booking stint of six months from what, April to uh, sort of October time of 2000, roughly six months. Yeah. Well, the rules seem not to matter there either, as, as it turns out. Mm. Scott Malbrank on the UK fan form says, Scott Khan's bald is what I remembered most. Looked like somebody was trying to train with battle ropes in his undercrackers. <laughs> Which, to be honest, I, I can't say I ever noticed that. <laughs> Nick Soapdish on the UK fan form says, My expectation was that it was going to be better than I thought it would. My expectations were very low. But it wasn't great, was it? <laughs> I suppose there were some nice little insider nods, but overall it just felt like a missed opportunity. I missed the cinema release over here. I think beyond the Matt got a better cinema release than this did. I think my outstanding memory, though, in the age of everything having a DVD and VHS release, this never got released in the UK on DVD. So uh, I guess another another because WCW never released a DVD, did they? <laughs> Which is just no. that's just fucking classic, isn't it? Like that's just that's just typical right there. Dermatime2 on WrestlingForum.com says the most important comment that needs to be made about this movie is there was a mainstream movie about WCW. Seriously though, think about how humongous wrestling was for that period of time. It was so popular that the second-rate company of WCW was able to put out a mainstream movie simply to promote their own company and wound up making a decent 12 million dollars in the end. <laughs> decent 12 million dollar loss. Yeah. 
<laughs> not too shabby. And again, this was WCW, not the Hollywood mainstream WWF we're talking about here. Can you imagine if TNA made a movie like this right now and released it in major theatres? Forget about the quality of the movie, I don't think it really matters. I look back fondly at this movie because it reminds me of how awesome of a time period this was for wrestling fans. Sid, DDP, Goldberg and many more, in a movie, awesome. I almost don't want to take a serious tone with this, but the argument that's sort of put forward there a bit almost smacks of the it's the WWF perception of what WCW was you know the not wanting to give that company any respect at any point regardless of when they were on top it, it it's not it's not good enough to say that you know this is no this is no small feat because look it's WC Derby. <laughs> they had Turner's production values for fuck's sake. There's no, there's no excuse for not producing something that should at least be watchable. <laughs> what I actually love. Listen, you... the movie doesn't look awful. Like it's not like. No, no, I mean, you know, they it's twenty four million. Yeah, it better look fucking like, good. You know, it, it looks like a movie that is major league release. Yeah, you know, but it's not like a chocolate cake made of shit. It's uh, nice. Tastes horrible. <laughs> Scooped out of a porta potty. It's like one of those chocolate bombs, isn't it? You know, so you imagine that the outside. Oh, this looks interesting. Yeah. And you cut in, just shit, just pours <laughs> out. Just pours what, out. What always amazes me about it is when you actually look at like the box or the poster that was used. None of it mentions WCW. Like it isn't like they were proud to put the brand on there. <laughs> and I don't you know mean? Which, yeah, but I don't know which way that worked. Did the film not want the brand, and did the brand not want the fucking movie? <laughs> By that point, it is debatable. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the funny thing about this to me is like this is a movie that Vincent Mann would write to hurt WCW. <laughs> kid Chris on the UK fan form says, I loved this film as a kid. I think I was about 10 when it came out and I was just on the verge of being a wrestling fanatic. So I got sat down one evening and watched it and in all seriousness, through the, and in all seriousness, through the eyes of a small child, this film was funny and always stuck with me. Fast forward to the now 25-year-old I am with my son on the way, and I think it's safe to say I won't be sitting down with him to watch it. Awful acting the whole way through by the top stars. David Arquette acting like he's putting 7 grams of cocaine on his cornflakes in the morning. Seriously, he looked like he was off his fucking nut the whole way through this. To match all ma- to, to match man's acting in general. Seriously, why was he given such a role? I love the, ma- the idea, but the execution was the same as when you get from a night out, feel hungry, and try to be a Michelin star chef in your kitchen. AKA, it was truly dreadful, and now I watch it back, I snigger at it, not with it. Uh, doesn't Jimmy King, AKA the guy from Lake Placid, do his finishing move on one of the lads from the bunk, from a bunk in his caravan? He was the champ, and he lives in a caravan. He must have been on cruiserweight pay in WCW. Uh, Alex Wrightmark on the UK fan forum says, I first saw Ready to Rumble on Sky Movies in 2002. What a pickup that was for B Sky B. I was really missing WCW at the time, so I didn't have the internet and no idea about CTX videos. So I thought this would rekindle those memories I had watching Nitro episodes for about ha- for about an hour before I'd switch it over to Raw. I was expecting it to be an awful insult to wrestling fans anywhere, and my assumptions were correct. <laughs> I had Sky hooked up to my room via a cable, and the only way I could switch channels was through the main box in the living room. As this awful abomination of a movie was happening, I was hoping and praying my mother would keep it on EastEnders and Brookside and not catch wind of me watching Ready to Rumble in fear that this was what all wrestling fans were like. Men in their 30s still not giving up the ghost that pro wrestling was a predetermined sport and just acting like the type of clowns who have never had a night out in their lives unless it was at the wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like when Raw was finished in the analogue days and straight after the show would be a 10 minute preview to some bongo channel. (laughs) 
the film had finally finished, while it was good to see the likes of Disco Inferno, Sid, Mean Gene, I had questions. Was the last match a shoot since Jimmy King was legitimately fired by that long-haired bloke? Why didn't he just negotiate with Titan, or do the Polaroid gimmick on the indies with Jake Roberts and Coco Beware? <laughs> I've not seen the film in over 14 years, but now I really want to watch it again. I don't know if I'm going to cringe or just laugh at how bad it is. It's like The Room or Run For Your Wife starring Danny Dyer and her off Girls Aloud. If only to see Sal Bandini off a Sid and sat in a wrestle. What a shooter. <laughs> what a wrestle. <laughs> Why is there such Sal Bandini love on this shit? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 probably the was the best part of the film. <laughs> it didn't involve breasts. <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The, gen- <laughs> the Generation MC on Wrestling Forms says the film didn't know if it wanted to play wrestling as real or fake as it kept going back and forth. First, Paige and King are calling the match in the ring early in the movie, but in the final fight, they're legit beating each other. <laughs> it not only made the movie look foolish, but very typical served as another black eye to how the world views wrestling fans. I wish King could have revealed at the end of the film to Gordy and Sean that the entire thing was a work for a huge storyline and they just got caught in the crossfire. That way, the two superfans could kind of grow up and maybe move on from their wrestling fandom. Mm. Well, which was the DDP suggestion, which, the, yeah. which didn't get a ton of enthusiasm around the table. But the, the, reading it from him, Holdy seems to like it, so, uh, yeah. in the rewrites. It was I, all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting thing, Luke, because you mentioned this off the air about could this have been done any differently and made it and to, be, to be done better? Was this salvageable? If, if, if we had the money, if we had $24 million in the WCW roster to make this film with, and then the cast and the budget and everything. Not that film. Could that, that film have been that film. something respectable? No, not without changing the I, script. I, I well, well obviously. <laughs> well, that's that's the problem you've got. I don't think this. I don't know what. I was I was try, what what else can you do with this concept that isn't garbage? You know you know what is a better because I've only just clicked while you guys have been talking a better film that uses a similar concept. The fuck it, and it's not a great film, but still the Water Boy. <laughs> it's some retarded guy who likes wrestling and I tell you what Adam Sandler was fucking endearing in that film compared to the two retards their words <laughs> that we keep seeing in this film and that's the film that just clicked to me it's like oh that you keep yeah fuck I just think they'd have been better tanking the 24 million into like a, a sort of comeback story about an aging Sal Bandini making <laughs> that would have been great room for the title it could have been called Wanna Wrestle Boys. instead of Ready to Run I would have watched that <laughs> Landau would have carried him he's the only one who seemed to get what he was in you know like he seemed to I mean, that would have been like Ron Burgundy before Ron yeah. <laughs> Landau Wanna Wrestle that's a great movie <laughs> Dub J on Russian Forms says, I would rather watch Ready to Rumble than the horrid shit WWE puts out like 12 rounds in the Marine. At least Ready to Rumble wasn't pretentious. It was a wrestling movie that didn't try to be anything else. The WWE movies are serious attempts at drama using mediocre to horrible wrestlers as the lead. Um, Simon Warden. Oh. Steve Austin is wonderful in The Condemned. <laughs> the exception to the rule. Uh, Simon Warden on the UK fan form says, I was going to write a long post about this movie, but two things are all I feel necessary. Didn't they have a scene where Sid and Saturn were fucking crying? <laughs> what was that about and why? Especially because Sid was about to be pushed by the company as the top guy if he wasn't already. <laughs> why would you want your fanbase to see the future world champ as a crying little bitch? On top of this, recently my girlfriend has been watching, re-watching the witch-based American TV series Charmed, which yes. also had an episode with WCW wrestlers Steiner, Booker and Buff in far more credible roles than he. 
near, if you can imagine such a thing. Uh, the girl who plays one of the main characters was the evil Nitro girl Sasha in Ready to Rumble. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend is an extremely loyal and forgiving Vietnamese girl who has no concept really of the negative connotations of being a pro wrestling fan, but I couldn't tell her that this actress was in Ready to Rumble based on the fear that she might decide to watch it and then that being acceptable grounds to leave me instantly. <laughs> Steven, 90 on uh, Wrestling Form says it's not as bad as the WWE or the critics make it out to be, which I guess includes us now. It's only something that wrestling fans can appreciate. (laughs) 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 Even though it portrays wrestling fans in a... Even though it portrays wrestling fans in a negative way, it's still better than No Holds Barred by a mile. What are the general thoughts? How does Gordy compare to Rip as a lead? It's all fucking garbage. Steaming hot garbage. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's for another uh, another movie review. I, I think, think that, I would say that at least No Holds Barred isn't attempting to be like like self-aware garbage. That makes sense. Like yeah. at least it's played relatively straight. Whereas listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm falling down a hole here. No, 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 he's he's absolutely right. As a, as a contrast, at least it confines itself to the idea that wrestling is a shoot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's all it's you know they try and make it as realistic as they yeah, yeah. possibly can in that context. Whereas this film sort of drops in and out, and you don't really fucking know what you're watching. No, that's fair. I, I think that that's the thing is like what what makes this film so really so horrendous and unlovable. <laughs> yeah. It is ultimately what we've talked about from the start, which is that it, it is this bastard love child of a million comedies with wrestling salt and peppered through the middle. The of bastard it. of the wrestling world at this point. Yeah, you know, like it's just every. Good every bit ripped from good comedies with no conscious effort to make it all make sense. With then this whole wrestling plot driven straight through the middle of it like a wedge. Just, <laughs> just kind of like seeing like how bad this, this how bad this movie actually is. I don't know how like the chips fell on this, but the fact that Hogan and Nash are nowhere to be seen. Yeah. In this, like, <laughs> they're in the company, right? And we both know those guys love the camera. Okay, they love being upon the spotlight. But even those two must have looked. So both in the company at the time uh, uh, must have looked at this and went, "Ah, no." Any insight they on that? Liam, they, those two must have been the first picks over DDP to play that heel character. Yeah, Hogan is heel. Surely yeah, was going to be the be, But both of them must have looked that script and went, "Eh, yeah, no." And both. That's how bad it is. But even Hogan, the fucking glory hog himself, has turned around and said, "No, it's all right. You can have that one." I, I would imagine it's strictly a case of the number of zeros on a check. There's no way you can convince me that if Mr. Nanny wasn't offered enough money, he'd have done it. He would have been there with bells on for the right money. For the right, for the right money, the hook still will do anything. White Sheet Mask on the UK fan form says, just fucking terrible on every conceivable level. So I'm glad that somebody thinks the same. And not in a so bad it's good sort of way. First off, Bischoff came up with the idea of doing the movie in October 99 and it was released in April 2000. Six bloody months. It was thrown together quicker than my hastily rushed fuck it, that'll do homework from secondary school. From the off, they do all they can to show that wrestling fans are either a bit thick or in the case of Arquette's character, full-on retard. <laughs> they get verbally abused for being wrestling fans by the guy who works at the fucking Quickie Mart. <laughs> I.e., wrestling fans are below the guy who can only get work down the local garage and they just take it like a pair of chumps. <laughs> in the same scene, a copper, fresh after molesting one of the main characters, says wrestling is for little boys. Boys, dirt bags, and lily pickers. 
and this was made by a wrestling company. Our captain screams, wrestling's not fake, and his best kid with Asperger's voice. It's a little ridiculous, but on all comprehension, you're made to feel like either a loser or a total simpleton for liking wrestling, and that's only in the first scene. <laughs> <laughs> Asmo on TPW board says I watched it when I was a kid and I loved it it seems to be a common theme here yeah. uh, I haven't watched it since then but I doubt I'll ever watch it again unless it's available on a flight or I randomly land on it somewhere back then WCW was the most easily accessible brand on TV here in India and I was a WCW boy from what I remember I thought Sting and Goldberg would play larger roles in the movie than what they did I couldn't buy DDP as the villain watching the other wrestlers in their cameos was what kept me hooked in and so did Rose McGowan and the Nitro Girls and I marked for Michael Buffer's iconic call and the Triple Cage was cool as hell so yeah it's total entertainment for a WCW fan especially if you let wrestling be wrestling uh, what came out of it though the Arca angle was pure tripe that entire angle was badly handled and poorly thought out hell if WCW could do Robin and Malone with some semblance of logic then this should have been easy to script and promote uh, final point if WWE ever does a roast on John Cena I'm sure they'll include his minor appearance in this film it has to happen uh, Brett Owen Davey on Wrestling Form says the basic thinking behind the making of this film seemed to be this is a film about wrestling fans so obviously let's make them two of the most pathetic ignorant retarded and socially inept imbeciles we can imagine because surely that's what wrestling fans are right? I mean the two leads, they're big wrestling fans, and their occupation is cleaning up people's shit. And I don't mean figuratively, but literally cleaning up people's excrement. That's the producers of the film's opinion of wrestling fans. Any self-proclaiming fan of wrestling who admits to liking this film must have no idea of the absolute piss that's been taken out of them by this portrayal of the two main characters. It was obviously produced in a rush to capitalise on the boom of the Attitude Era without any real thought going in. When I think back, I think it encompasses everything about how society was at the time. The late 90s was a very strange time. There wasn't much need for creative thought to make money and be successful. There was so much shit around at the time and people just ate it up. Films at the time don't need thick plots, just cheap gags and semi-naked women to recoup their budgets, so I don't blame the creators for taking the same path. I wouldn't necessarily tell young wrestling fans of today to avoid it at all costs, but to perhaps view it just to experience how lame it is. So, uh, again, real mixed bag here of opinions. Pitseller on the UK fan forum says, Ready to Rumble is the room of wrestling movies. It's utterly terrible and lacks any artistic merit, yet I am in complete love with it. Uh, we all have a handful of films that we know are objectively atrocious, yet we still enjoy them, and Ready to Rumble ranks right up there with the lesser-loved Roger Moore Bond films for me. Uh, I first saw the, the movie not too long after WCW went under. I was no more than 10 years old. I was shocked when I first came online and saw how much it was hated by most fans. Sure, I didn't watch WCW when it was around, so I wasn't aware of the movie, uh, resulting in David Arquette winning the big gold belt and how it contributed to the demise of WCW. So my opinion might be invalid. I wouldn't dream of recommending this to anyone who isn't a wrestling fan, but it's a great nostalgia ride, and is it really as terrible as some of the other teen comedies that came out after the success of American Pie? Probably, <laughs> but this has wrestlers in it, so it beats the others by default. Even if they put more effort into the making of this film, it sure as hell wasn't going to give Citizen Kane a run for its money. So turn your mind off and enjoy it. And uh, Jay Pickens uh, on WrestlingForm.com to wrap up the feedback says, Grade A shit. Uh, if you want real wrestling movies that treat fans with respect, I recommend I Like to Hurt People and Body Slam. Uh, which are two that we need to uh, get to at some point if we uh, re return to this. Uh, Luke Edwards, I believe that you also have somebody who wants to chime in. Well, somewhat. You see, I want to steal a spot from a, a, pod a podcast favourite of mine called How'd This Get Made? Because I've culled a couple of five-star reviews from Rotten Tomatoes and a couple of other <laughs> sites that I'd like to quickly share with the 
table. Um, one of my favourites, uh, let me give you this one. This one's by Rain Man 13, <laughs> which I think might just say it all. <laughs> Rain Man. Rain Man 13 says, I am a wrestling fan, but when I saw the trailer to this movie, it looked cheesy, and I was so disappointed. Let me assure you, the trailers do this movie no justice. It's absolutely gut-busting. I never laughed so hard at a movie in theatre before. There were also many people there enjoying the movie, who obviously were not true wrestling fans. For true fans, though, the movie is even more funny because of the inside jabs at the business, notably Sinclair, as some weird Vince McMahon, Eric Bischoff mix. And Sal bears a remarkable resemblance to the great Stu Hart and his wrestling school, for those who know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The main event was incredibly exciting. The best match any fan will ever see. This this film is a must-see for all fans and non-fans alike. Nine out of (laughs) ten. Another one of my favourites here. Zach C. on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I love how people act like they never laugh at stupid humour. I enjoy wit and intellectual comedy. But there's just something funny about hearing a woman scream, I hope your diddly turns black and falls in the crapper as loud and fast as she can. This movie is meant for wrestling fans, but if you're in a good mood to just relax and laugh, this is a pretty good choice. A solid five stars. Wow. And finally, a wonderful review um, by Ozzy Cash from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm glad you dropped in that information, Ozzy. Um, first off, screw that Gary Hotchkiss guy. Anyone with that stupid nickname has no right to insult wrestling. I hope he die a horrific a-hole. Anyway, <laughs> this isn't that... Anyways, this isn't that bad. It's a fun movie. I realize all fun movies that are dumb have to be insulted. If you couldn't tell it was going to be dumb from the preview, then you're dumb. How do you like that? And if you knew it was going to be dumb, why watch? Because you won't watch with an open mind. Some people really should die. Sorry for complaining, but I enjoyed, well, enjoyed most of movie. Rose McGowan is hot. The story wasn't too good. But it has likable characters. If you aren't a real serious person with an attitude problem, you might enjoy it. I did. Ten stars out of five. (laughs) And from the sounds of it, not a comma in sight. Punctuation does not exist to this man. So we stretched the gamut there of people's opinions. Again, a little bit more mixed than I was expecting in the feedback. Some people have fond nostalgic memories of this. Some people, as we heard there, actually kind of overlook the insulting nature of the film and just kind of take the, uh, the little individual bits and pieces as funny uh, as they deem them. We're going to do a quick round the table now. It's the final verdict, everybody. Give me your, your grade, your star rating. How should we do this? Um, should we give it a grade? I think grade seems appropriate. A grade? Is F? Is F? F is, of course, the worst. Well, F. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, fuck this film. Um, F for I w- finger in ass. <laughs> yeah. I will say, the, the, the diverse reaction to this film, it's a sad indictment that actually some wrestling fans are like Gordy and Sean. <laughs> that is the only explanation for it. But, however, I have figured out why Sid was crying. It was softball season. And no, <laughs> and no Sal, he didn't want to wrestle. <laughs> Yeah, f- forget my grading for this film. I think I've made my view on it quite clear by this point. I would, I would just like to say on a side note, 
I would like to meet every single person who contributed to the 23% it got on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> the 23% it got on Metacritic, and the 5.3 out of 10 it got on IMDb, and slap each one of those people in the face. <laughs> Uh, it, it, yeah, it's 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 an F. If it can be any lower, I don't think there's probably a. The the thing is, it's like it would be easy for me to just turn around and, and and just say like how how offended I am by the film from a wrestling standpoint of like not how only how they depict the business, but the very fans that they're hoping will come and see this shit, and they were hoping to do a sequel as well, which is probably the most ironic thing as of all. But whilst that, I'm obviously the of the king. Yeah, but whilst <laughs> rumble too. But whilst obviously I was like completely insulted by the way uh, way all this stuff's portrayed. I, I can't stress to you enough how how more it pales into comparison to how more offended I am as 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 a, as a movie fan as a, as someone who along with uh, a couple of other members around this table who who have studied films, um, this is just insults me on every single level, <laughs> from from obviously from uh, from the the, the script uh, to the cinematography the directing. Um, you guys said like with the 24 million you thought it looked pretty good I thought it looked like a sack of shit uh, from, from all the way through I don't think it looks like 24 quid was spent on the film particularly when you see how small that fucking nitro set is where all he has to do is two steps and he's in the ring from the entranceway it's just this film is just an absolute abomination I've already mentioned like like scenes just go into other scenes without any kind of real notification as to what's happening or reference point Sting just appears out of nowhere when there's been no reference to him it's just the whole premise of it being a movie it's a bad wrestling movie but it's an atrocious movie full stop and so with this I'd want everybody I, I want to kind of put this out there I kind of want everybody to put who was in association with this film to be put on trial for fraud right fraud of, of trying to you know, trying to sell this as a movie, and then instantly move to trial, instantly move to be them being guilty, and all of them can share a cell with Triple H. <laughs> Holty, what are the scores and the doors? Ah, you got to give it an F for being an awful movie. I'd give it about a C for nostalgic memories of watching it with my mates and trying to convince ourselves it was worthwhile, because we were in that bubble of, like, anything that was wrestling that wasn't just watching wrestling was great. You know, it was just, you know, I've got a film about wrestling, oh my! You know, um, and I would give it an A-star for quality podcast material, because I have had an absolute blast this evening. So, Luke Edwards, give us your verdict. Free from the chains of nostalgia that bind the rest of these guys, I stand by the term utterly devoid of merit. <laughs> I'm not really a sour guy. I, I like a lot of bad films and bad, so bad the good films, that kind of thing. I never laughed. I just didn't. I just did. I don't think I got it. I don't know. It's like no, don't it worry. didn't work for me. Um, a funny thing, thinking about nostalgia, actually, is the guy who wrote this also wrote uh, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. Talk about hitting a miss. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's like that one. I I haven't gone back and watched that, but nostalgically, oh, that's a great film. He also wrote this. It has now soured the Mighty Ducks for me. <laughs> I will never return to watch that. Fuck this movie. Fuck you, Liam, for making me watch it. <laughs> Fuck you, Kieran, for suggesting it. Fuck you, Halty, for suggesting the concept. I am a deeply miserable man today because I watched it yesterday, and I don't know how long this could continue for. So, yeah. I'm going to go with a, a nice, solid E-, minus. I feel. <clears throat> the only reason I'm not going to give it an F is because... suck! Because I've had, I've had a great deal of fun laughing about how awful it is today. And if you can do that about any film, that gives it... The, 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 the smidgen of point from from, the, from rock bottom so I'll go E minus personally 
So with that said, uh, that is, that, that's going to wrap it up for our Ready to Rumble review. Uh, if you like this format, if you like this show, let us know in the feedback and we'll be, uh, we'll be keen to do another one, look at a different film uh, from a wrestling past. Uh, if not, then this is the only one we'll ever do and we'll never see the light of day again. But for next week, we are returning to a concept that is quite popular. We're going to be uh, doing a little bit of fixing. We're going to be rebooking the WWF in the year 1991. Uh, the idea of this, obviously, being that in 1991, there was the whole steroid scandal, sex scandal, all that malarkey and uh, Ric Flair came in Sir Justice came in we're going to uh, rebook 91 and try and salvage the way things went in the WWF since uh, things kind of went in the shit for a couple of years there it's going to be interesting to look back at the cast of characters that were around at the time and uh, try and do some interesting stuff with it so that's going to be a lot of fun next week so uh, we'll be putting that out in the forms for you to contribute to as well as on the Facebook page I want to thank everybody for listening this far and enjoying this talk about Ready to Rumble so for G. John Chase I will rule you for Luke Edwards. You boob! <laughs> For Matt Holt. For all of the hate of David Arquette, world champion, can we all say a silent prayer to thank the fact that Oliver Platt was busy? <laughs> For <laughs> Kieran O'Rourke. I've got my finger in my ass. <laughs> and for Old Man Jones. That's why my slurpy smells of shit. <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke and we're out of here. Talk to you next week. <laughs>